are listening to The Wonder Podcast. My name is Lisa Clark, and I'm joined here each episode with my co-host, Chrissy Dunham. And we just want to say thanks for tuning in. Have you ever wondered what the Bible has to say about worry and fear? Have you ever wondered how to decorate an odd-shaped room? Have you ever wondered how to make a quiche with a sweet potato crust? Well, you're in the right place because we talk about all the things. If we don't know the answers to some of life's biggest, most wonderful questions, the guests we have on certainly will. So thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Wonder Podcast. Welcome to The Wonder Podcast. My name is Chrissy Dunham, and I am here with my co-host, Lisa Clark. We are recording from Frisco, Texas today. It's a little cloudy. I had a few raindrops come down on my windshield, and they dried before I got home. So, Lisa... (laughs) We are still no water, no rain from the sky. It's been a while, but our temperatures are a cool 90, 93. Yeah. I mean, we'll take that, right? After a summer of 107. We drove to the hill country over the weekend and we were in a literal monsoon. I could not (gasps) see the road. Oh, my. No, I mean, the hill country area has had a ton of rain, which is great because they're pretty much in a perpetual you know dry spell but but we have not had any rain here it's been kind of sad so we're praying for rain very sad Mm. well to our listeners we are in the middle of a series where we are studying Richard Foster's book celebration of discipline and like we talked about in our first session this is something that was introduced to me years and years ago it may have been seminary I don't even remember but I remember the first time I read it which again was a lot a lot of years ago I'm just like what Mm -hmm. no one told me I need to do all these things I knew some of them but a lot of them I didn't know and some of the ones we're going to talk about today I didn't realize you know, that the Lord really wants us to consider these as part of our life and, you know, life would be better. Yeah. So we talked about the inward disciplines on our first session. So if you want to get totally caught up, go back and listen to that one. Today is session two, and we are going to talk about the outward discipline. So if the inward disciplines are functioning, then these outward ones. Right should be happening too. So it's all very interesting. So Lisa, why don't you kick us off with the first one? Okay. So the discipline of simplicity. And interestingly enough, just to kind of echo what you said there, he says in the book, the Christian discipline of simplicity is an inward reality that results in an outward lifestyle. So wrap your brain around that for a second. So would you consider yourself a simple person, Chrissy? No. <laughs> more is more, more is better. Yeah. Oh, y'all. It's the season of life I'm in right now. I'm very simple, but that's not really who I am, I don't think. Yeah. I think if we were all being honest, none of us really are simple these days, especially in the North Dallas area. So, it definitely is something we would want to achieve and think about and kind of truly understand. And I think in all areas of our life, we can simplify. Maybe it's just one area you're going to try to do. I've thought, as I have read this book, I have thought over and over, okay, what is this saying to me? 
And how can I, I can't totally reform myself. I mean, you know, I'm 61 and there's no time for me to be completely different. Yes, there is. <laughs> I'm going to run out of days here pretty soon. No. However, however, I can certainly hone in on a few of these things and become more like Christ in some of these disciplines and be more disciplined in my walk, in my spiritual walk. This is one that really hit home. The other one we'll talk about in a minute is confession. So, but this outward discipline of simplicity. So he goes through here and kind of talks about it. And it's really foundational things, mainly focusing on our chief aim, our desire in life should be the righteousness, you know, to live under the righteousness of Jesus Christ and to pursue the kingdom of God. And not all these other things. What is the scripture saying? I think you even shared it the last episode, but focus on these things and all of that other stuff will be added unto you. You know, the kingdom of God is at hand and that's where our focus should be. But he gives some simple principles, 10 simple principles under this spiritual discipline, inward spiritual discipline of simplicity. And the first one is to buy things for their usefulness rather than their status. Thought that was really good. You know, think about when you've got a middle school daughter or high school daughter, what is one of the first things she wants, you know, is the cool designer shoes or jeans. And I remember walking through that with our girls. Do you need a pair of jeans? That's one thing. Do they need to be the status symbol jeans? That's another thing. And so let's talk through this. I'm not saying don't do it. There's going to be occasions. And we did definitely occasions with our daughters where we would splurge and get them something that was their heart's desire within reason. But that is his first one. The second one is to reject anything that is producing an addiction in you. Learn to distinguish between a real psychological need versus an addiction. And so, you know, I'll have to say all of the pop-up shops everywhere on the internet, that can be truly an addiction as you start to follow those things and buy things. And I'm sure that you guys see that in your line of work. Even following people on social media that are constantly showing you makeup tutorials and all of this kind of thing, that can totally cloud your vision, clog your mind, change your perception of yourself. All of these things that can kind of warp who we are to be. And is if the kingdom of God is at hand and we are to be disciples of Christ, how we look and looking better constantly, is that something we should be focused on? I think the answer is pretty simple, right? Right. So that's one thing. You don't want to bring anything into your life that's going to be an addiction or proposed addictive behavior. The third one is develop a habit of giving things away. I love that. Yes. I love that. Give it away. Who wants it? You know, you've cycled it through a couple of times. You know, you're probably not going to wear that or use that or have that in your home, whatever the case may be. Give it away give it away. There's someone that can always use something that you have versus trying to sell it and that kind of thing. I know there's all kinds of ways to get rid of things, but giving it away is a great opportunity to pursue the kingdom of God and that we're not holding on to our things too tightly. The fourth one is refuse to be propagandized by the custodians of modern gadgetry. Case in point, new iPhone. Right. Got to have it. You new know, one just came out. New My one came out. Already talking about it. So here's a funny thing. And I know you got a new iPhone in the last year, Chrissy, and I was coveting it because I've never had an iPhone with three circles on the back. <laughs> I 
fully had one with two, okay? So my husband doesn't believe in the buy the new iPhone every time one comes out. And so I keep telling him, I want an iPhone with three circles on the back, not just one or two. And so that is something that I've been wanting. But just because it's available, is it right for you to get it? And so that's kind of one of those things is there's always a new gadget. Now, some people's line of work requires that. I've even heard some people say a new phone is a necessity now because that's how we operate business and life and everything. So it's, you know, you do you. The fifth one is learn to enjoy things without owning them. So go to the beach without having to buy a house, right? Right. Or, you know, enjoy maybe renting your home for a while. Enjoy lease on a car and maybe if that's a good financial decision for you. Do rent the dress instead of buy the dress. So there's a whole thought process behind enjoying things without owning them. Six is develop a deeper appreciation for the creation. So get close to earth. You heard Mm -hmm. of grounding yourself. So that's walking in the grass, letting your feet touch the grass. And that's supposedly supposed to be so good for every part of your body as your feet touch the ground and you're able to experience God's creation, listen to the birds, enjoy the leaves changing right now, walk whenever you can, just enjoy the colors of the world. The seventh one is look with a healthy skepticism at all the buy now, pay later schemes. If they're saying you buy it now, pay later, be real leery of that because that's a way to accumulate more than you actually need and what you can afford. The eighth one is obey Jesus instructions about plain, honest speech when it comes to talking. And I think that is so good. So just because you have something to say, is it in the best use of your time or the spirit within you to speak it? Right. Be real conscientious and simple in your words, which I really loved that. The ninth one is reject anything that breeds oppression of others. That is a whole... A whole nother book. A whole nother book, but it was really good and it spoke to me. And then the last one was shun anything that distracts you from seeking first the kingdom of God. So it might be a job, it might be a position, it might be status, family, friends, security. What do we put above God? Chrissy, we can put anything above God, can't we? That's right. That's right. Anything. So we've got to get our order in correct. We've got to make sure that the main thing is the main thing as we do this life. And that is how we can simplify Things. I mean, how many times have you done a purge? I know you moved in the last few right. years. Did you purge a ton of stuff? I sure did. And how did you get all again, that stuff? We'll do- yeah. I mean, how do we get it? Do we need it? All of those questions, you know, it's just crazy. Well, Lisa, at the time I did. Okay. <laughs> at the time I needed it. Needed it. Okay. I needed another fall bowl to put candy in. Yes, you did. I don't know. Yes, don't you did. Know. It's because we don't know what we have. Yeah. We stash things in our big homes. And then we can't find the things that we need. So we buy more because they're stashed somewhere in our home. And then when we move, we realize, oh, I had all of this. I have 14 bowls that look the same and I didn't need but one, you know, so it's a whole thing. But the whole thing. Yeah. Well, what about solitude? The discipline of solitude. So solitude is very interesting because you have this perception of what you think it's going to be. Yeah. But then as you read, it's really not what you think it's going to be. So Jesus calls us from loneliness to solitude 
And the fear of being left alone petrifies people. Mm. So that was an interesting statement Mm -hmm. to be left alone. Charlie's mom just moved here and, you know, she made a comment to him today. Well, I'm just going to pack everything and come back, you know, because she's lonely. She's in a brand new place. She hasn't established relationships. She ended up, you know, in the hospital and had to have surgery and went to rehab. So she hasn't even been in her place, you know, Mm. a full week yet. So I understand it is scary to be alone. It is scary to be all of those things. But if you think about Jesus' life, what did he do? He pulled off by himself time after time after time. And the biggest thing I learned about solitude is it's about listening. Yeah. We should pull aside more to listen then we do anything else because that's where you hear things. And I struggle in this area. You know, when I'm in the car, I have to turn on music. When I'm uh, home, I have to have music on or the TV or something. I I have to have something on to keep me. I don't know. I just have to have this background noise. Yeah. yeah. And this whole chapter was about you need to learn to pull off by yourself in the quiet where you can listen. How many times do we spend time with the Lord and we read his word and we pray and we do, you know, listen to worship music and whatever your rhythm is for your quiet time. And then you just go along your way. Yeah. You don't stop to listen. Yeah. So I think that this chapter surprised me because I thought it was going to be all about being by yourself. And it is. But you can be by yourself and still be solitary with people around because your mind can take you there. So I love the part about just learning to listen. Mm -hmm. And here's what happens. A byproduct of listening and being in this solitude attitude is that you become compassionate about people. So there have been seasons in my life where, Lisa, I did not have a lot of compassion. Yeah, it's just not there. When I do that spiritual gifts test, mercy is always at the bottom every (laughs) single time. I don't know why. I don't want to be that person. That's what shows up over and over. And this is where the Lord got me is Chrissy. I need you to pull aside and just listen. I went and sat with my father. If you really think about the Bible, it doesn't talk about, we don't have the information of what Jesus said to his father. It's always, he was just with his father. Right. So I'm thinking that, you know, he listened. Mm -hmm. It was just him and he listened to the father. And I think that I have so much noise in my life that I never take the time to really listen. Just to sit in the stillness and the quiet in this solitary atmosphere that creates compassion. So, Lisa, I'm wondering if that's why my compassion is not there as it should be, even though it may be at the bottom. I want to be that person that is listening. I want to be the person that has compassion. And I love where he said You know, you're not going to know until you listen. You have to listen. And one of the fruits of silence 
is the freedom to let God be our justifier. Mm. So perhaps more than anything, that silence brings us to believe that God cares for us. And there's you know, repetition in that. And some, you know, there's so many people that think, does God really love me? Well, be quiet before him. Yeah. Let him, you know, the Bible says he sings over you. He speaks mm-hmm. over us. And I think that sometimes we're so busy talking to him about all the things we need and want and desire that we don't allow time just to listen to what his feedback is. And I really do feel the spirit and I hear the words in worship. Like worship music is a big part of my life. That's what I listen to in my car. I listen to it in my home and it just, it just fills me. And I always think, well, that's my, that's my quiet. That's my solitude, if you will. But this chapter's like, nope, that's not it. It's to be alone listening. And when you listen, you become more like the father And that's where the compassion comes from. So if you think of Jesus' life, he would pull aside, usually on a mountain, to be by himself. And it would be for hours, Lisa. It wasn't just 10 minutes. No. He sat there for hours. And then when he showed up at the next place, what did the Bible always say? He had compassion for the people. So that's what I learned about solitude. I may have missed a few things, but that's how the Lord used it for my life. And that is something that I am going to work on. That's a very good takeaway, though, because how many times are we in conversations with people? We don't even hear what they're saying because we're thinking about the next thing we're going to say. You know, I mean, I don't know. It's something that I struggle with, you know, so that's a good word because when we're listening, then you're hearing what they're saying. So when we're listening to God, we're hearing what he's saying, and that's going to turn us to become more like him. And what was he? Full of mercy, full of grace, full of love for others. So that's a good word. Okay. The next one is the discipline of submission. Okay. So you and I both grew up in the church and the only thing we knew about submission was what? You have to do that with your husband. Right. Wives be submissive to to your husband. Right. (laughs) You have to be a slave. (laughs) Right. So you have to obey your husband. Wives, be submissive to your... That was just what was given to us early on. And submission just goes hand in hand with marriage, in my you know, opinion, growing up. Well, this is just a whole new ballgame here, this chapter, because he talks from the very beginning realizing, you know, if you're submissive, you realize you don't have to always have things your way. You're submissive to the plan. You're submissive to God's will. You're submissive to the people in your life that you've been called to serve. So it's basically saying, relax. Everything doesn't have to go your way. You're being held in bondage by your plan and your preparation and how you think things should go. So it's a really different look. And so he talks about the purposes of these disciplines that we're reading about is freedom. Don't we Mm -hmm. want freedom? Yes. Yes. But when you think about submission, you don't think about freedom, do you? But he's saying there is freedom in godly submission. And it's not just in our marriages. It's in the way we live our life. This chapter was just full of everything, but I wrote so many notes through here, but you know, who's he talking about? Submission to whom? 
The spirit of God in us is allowing us to love like he called us to love. So we're being submissive to our will. We're being submissive to our plan. We're being submissive to our ideas, our ideals, all all of it. So submissive just as an act of service in our life. That's what we've been called to. And he talks about this is countercultural, right? Yep. So, very much. Yeah. The world is all about me. It's about, you know, I need to focus in on myself, self-love, self-care. I'm enough, the whole thing. But when you have this discipline of submission, it's countercultural to all of that. What does Jesus say? Take up your cross and follow me. What does that look like? That's denying yourself. That right. is focusing on Jesus and living everything for him. And this is as a for a believer, is this is a voluntary thing. It's not a rule. It's not a rule. That's why these disciplines, if we can truly start to develop these disciplines in our life, man, we are going to look more like Christ. That's right. Man, we are going to affect the kingdom of God. He talks about seven acts of submission. Real quickly, I'm going to go through them. The first act is submission to the trying God. That is just understanding that God is sovereign and you know the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they rule. Second is the act of submission to the scripture, trusting God's word. When John 1.1 says the word of God was made flesh and dwelt among us, he's saying Jesus was from the very beginning with God. When Jesus said, I'm going to go, what I'm going to leave you, a helper is going to be even better than me being here, the, the Holy Spirit. So it's been being submissive to the scripture and knowing what is true, that the word is the infallible word of God, and we are submissive to what it says in there. We can't come up with our own version like so many false teachers are doing today. The next one is submission to our family, serving and loving our family. The next one is to our neighbors and the people that are in the course of our lives, coworkers and that kind of thing. Submission to the believing community, the body of Christ, our church, you know, submitting to them by teaching and helping prepare and loving and serving them. The next one is the broken and despised, getting out of our comfort zone and serving them with when knowing they can do nothing for you. And then submission to the world, just having that type of mentality that the world doesn't owe me anything. You know, I'm here to love like Christ. So really good stuff. You know, we have a kind of a warped sense of what submission looks like, especially growing up in the church. But the scripture was very clear that husbands are to love their wives. Wives are to be submissive and to respect their husbands. But this is a mutual respect, a mutual submission. We are all to be submissive to Jesus Christ and his authority in our life. So it's a definite mutual thing. It's not, you know, obey him at all costs and all that. That's not what the scripture is saying. It's saying live with under the authority of Jesus Christ, because that's best for you as a believing couple. So we've got that messed up. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. I think so. I think we're focusing maybe on the wrong thing. Right. You know, putting so much. Yeah. And if you're warped in that thinking, and I thought about this a lot, it's just going to make you bitter. Yeah. You know, if you're warped in your thinking of that, it's just going to make you bitter because you're just like, I don't have to do anything. You you know, that's right. right. Interesting. (laughs) There's so much to learn. And I'm good stuff. So much. So much. Good stuff. The discipline of service. Yes. 
service. So when we think of service, it's something that we do for others. His opening line is, at the cross is the sign of submission. Mm. So the towel is the sign of service, Mm -hmm. the towel. Mm -hmm. So he spends, you know, the first part talking about what Jesus did. He said, can you imagine coming into that upper room for the last supper? Everybody's dirty. Their feet are dirty and they're looking at each other. Well, I don't want to wash your feet. Well, I don't (laughs) want to wash your feet. And he said, can you imagine the conversations going on? Well, I'm, you know, I'm better than you. I don't even know that I like you that much. And I'm not certainly not going to wash your feet. And what did Jesus do? Mm -hmm. He came in with the towel. And he washed their feet to show them this is what service is all about. And this is what he was setting the tone. This is what it is. I am the son of God. I just can't imagine. I put myself in that room. Right. I am the son of God. And I am taking off the towel to wash every one of your feet, even though he was going to die for their sins the next day. Mm. That is a picture that I may not ever get out of my mind as right. he painted this picture of what was going on. And can you imagine what they would have been saying? Because, you know, they had already asked, who's your favorite? Who's your favorite, Jesus? Yeah. Yeah. So am I, you know, and we're all that way to a certain extent because we're very self-righteous. And Jesus completely redefined leadership and rearranged the lines of authority when he did this. Mm. It is very powerful to think through that he rearranged authority when he did this. He was not just reversing the pecking order, because don't we all see a pecking order in all of our circles of people? Oh, yeah. But he was abolishing it. He He was was their rabbi. Yes. You know, they were listening. They were learning. He was teaching them. And then he he was trying to say, listen, yeah, none of this works. Yeah. None of this. So I'm here to show you I'm getting ready to leave and I'm going to show you how you're supposed to live your life. But he spent some time talking about self-righteousness because isn't that who we are? Self-righteous service versus true service. So he spent some time talking about this. And Lisa, I saw myself in this. Mm. Uh, Self-righteous service comes from human effort, human effort. True service comes from a relationship with the divine person, which is Jesus. We serve out of whispered promptings and divine urges. And energy is expended, but it is not the frantic energy of the flesh. So that got me to thinking, am I really called to serve at this place at this time? Or am I doing it because my Sunday school class is, or they said they needed help? Or did the Holy Spirit prompt me to come here? Yeah. And I'm ashamed to say I operated out of the flesh many, many, many times. Yeah, me too. Many times. Calling it service, wanting the credit, wanting people to know that I did that. And the Lord's like, oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no, sister. It's just a quiet urging that I will give you. And you go and serve. And it doesn't have to be pomp and circumstance. And you don't have to get credit. And no one has to even know that you've been there. They don't even have to know you've been there. 
Another sign of self-righteous service is highly concerned about the results. Yeah, I'm concerned about the results that happen here. Are they better because I've been here? Look what I did for them. How many times yeah. have we been on a mission trip and said, I came here to bless them, but they bless me. Mm-hmm. They bless me. Mm-hmm. Self-righteous service picks and chooses whom to serve. That's us deciding yeah. where I'm going to go. What fits my schedule? Right. What fits right. my schedule? Right. Um. Oh, gosh, I don't want to get my hands that dirty, so I can't do yard work, but I'll be happy to, you know, serve corn on Thursday. We do what's convenient for us. Self-righteous service is affected by our mood and by our whims. Self-righteous service is temporary because the Lord didn't ask us to do it, Lisa. He did not ask us. We did this on our own. And self-righteous service fractures a community. What about that? Yeah. What about that? Mm. Then he goes into service with humility and what it should look like. The grace of humility is worked into our lives through the discipline of service. Humility, as we all know, is one of those virtues that is never gained by seeking it. You just do it. Of all the classical spiritual disciplines, service is the most conducive to the growth of humility. Yep. When we set out to do it, we need to do it well. And it doesn't need to be something that's bragged about, talked about, put on Instagram. I want to, gosh, there's that video of the mission trip. Well, I'm not in it. Yeah. They didn't. <laughs> How's I, anyone going to know I was there? <laughs> right. Like I didn't see my picture there. Well, um, gosh, does anybody even know I went? Right. So it's messy. It's all yeah, messy. It is. it is. And then he went on to say, But when we choose to be a servant, we give up the right to be in charge. Mm -hmm. I love that. Mm -hmm. There is great freedom in this. And if we voluntarily choose to be taken advantage of, then we cannot be manipulated. Because he talked about, you know, sometimes we don't want to serve because it makes us a lesser person. It makes us, oh, well, I'm not as good as I thought I was. I don't want to serve you. I'm better than you. Right. Um. And service is a way of living, Lisa. It just needs to be a part of our life. So he goes in to the service of hospitality, just serving people, goes back to listening to people and having that compassion. When I hear, oh, they had to drive to Dallas for a medical treatment. I'm going to surprise them with dinner tonight. Right. Oh, they had just got in town from their mother dying and I am going to drop off toilet paper and paper towels and maybe some things that they may need from the grocery store that they may not feel like doing. Think like that. Think about the service of hospitality, having people in your home, the service of bearing the burden of others. Right now, Lisa and I have a friend dealing with a sister and the honest truth is because of this book, And I was spending time with the Lord this day. I remembered her and the Lord placed her on my heart and said, Mm -hmm. check on her right now. Mm -hmm. You're going to get busy and forget. Check Mm -hmm. on her right now. Mm -hmm. So I sent the text early Mm -hmm. this morning. And, you know, that's the kind of things that people hang on to. They want to know that you're praying. They want to know that you're walking this journey with them and bearing that burden. And finally is the service of sharing the word of life with others. The word of life. We are dependent upon one another to receive the full 
counsel of God. So if you see a sister that may just be off the track a little bit, you need to stop and speak the word of life to her and remind her who she is and who she belongs to because she's waiting to hear it. And you have to have that compassion and love and that bearing the burden and know what's going on with her enough to say, I want to share this with you. That's right. So Lisa, these so good. outward disciplines have rocked my world. Yeah, for uh, sure. <laughs> just like the inward ones, but I, I have know. to say I was more familiar with those. But these were just surprised me. Yeah. Just surprised me. So I love it. A They're lot good. to chew on, yeah. a lot to rearrange my life with. Right. Yeah. The whole thing. So yeah, but like I said earlier, I think it's I think it's going to be overwhelming if we try to just like institute all these right now. Oh, of course. Sure. But we can make gradual changes that become huge in our life. And I think just you even listening to the Holy Spirit, you know, in that moment and being reminded, oh, I need to check in on that person. It's that kind of thing. That's and right. so just taking the focus off of ourselves. But it's so good. I loved all of them too. Isn't that funny though? The common theme as I was listening to you and as I was recalling what I read, the common theme is we are the issue because yeah. we are all about ourselves. Of course. And always from the beginning of time. <laughs> always the issue. So it's just so interesting. We're consistent. Yeah, yeah we are. <laughs> if nothing else, we're consistent centered. That's right. Oh, well, we appreciate y'all listening. If you want to grab a copy of this book, I would strongly encourage it. It's one of those books that you'll go back to over and over, no matter how mm-hmm. old you are. If you were in a book club, this is a great one to have and discuss. So we hope that you're enjoying this series. We've got one more to go. And we appreciate you listening. God bless. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of The Wonder Podcast. We are thrilled that you've spent this time with us. Just want to say thank you. We also want to make sure you're aware that we have another podcast called Raising Sinners. It's on the Christian Parenting Network. And we would love for you to join us there, too. If you've got kiddos or know someone who does, check us out at Raising Sinners, the podcast for parents. And lastly, Chrissy and I also want to just thank those of you who have been so generous to support our podcast ministry. If you're interested in doing that, we would love for you to go to ChrissyDunham.org and click on the party table. You can make any size donation and all of those proceeds go to help us with our podcast ministry. So if you've done that before, we thank you, thank you, thank you. And if you'd like to check it out, please do. So God bless you. And thanks again for listening to this episode of The Wonder Podcast. Mm -hmm.